The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, it's Squawk Box. Let's get into the headlines. Chinese stocks follow Wall Street higher. Sources tell CNBC US trade negotiators will visit China for face-to-face trade talks next week. The DOJ launches a broad antitrust review of major tech companies, sending shares in Facebook, Alphabet and Amazon lower after hours. Snap shares pop in extended trade after blowing past Wall Street estimates in the second quarter, setting the stage for earnings from Silicon Valley's biggest players this week. Boris Johnson will take over as the UK's Prime Minister today and get to work on forming his cabinet to deliver Brexit following a decisive victory in the Conservative leadership race. Dude, we are going to energise the country. We're going to get Brexit done on October the 31st. We're going to take advantage of all the opportunities that it will bring in a new spirit of can-do. Plus, PSA Group announces earnings amid tough times in the auto sector. Hear first from Chairman Carlos Tavares at 7.30 CET. Uh, so, very good morning, everybody. Good morning, Deutsche Bank numbers morning, uh, just through this hour. So, let's give you a first uh, look at the second quarter net loss of 3.1 billion euros. That was uh, a number that had been pre-signaled largely by the market. I think three billion was the uh, net loss number that had been earmarked as part of this. Uh, restructuring program or or should we use their terminology strategic transformation charges of 3.4 billion have been booked here so the net loss in at 3.19 billion the uh, bank giving us uh, a line on the common equity tier one ratio of 13.4 percent i mean the expectation around these figures is largely that they will show a very significant hole as anticipated and the the trouble when you get numbers like this i think is it's 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 difficult then to get a really good steer on what the underlying business looks like we've got a revenue line in for the second quarter and at 6.2 billion uh, and a net revenue line of 3.578 billion you want to jump in i i just this is very similar to when analysts tell us or economists or strategists who want the market to go up and they want more Kool-Aid tell us not to look back at the data that's happened on the employment front because it's looking backwards. And, and, and I think the banks are understandably very prickly. And we saw an interesting exchange between one bank and one group of journalists yesterday about how prickly they are about the interpretation of the news at the moment. And I understand why things are very tough. But the problem with Deutsche Bank is the fact that actually the bit is that they're changing so dramatically. They're changing so aggressively. So everything we look at in the rear view mirror of this company that has happened is not the new Deutsche Bank that uh, Herr Christian Saving is looking to turn it into as well. So we've got this interregnum period where hopefully Herr Saving will achieve all his goals 
Uh, but that's going to take two or three years. So, yes, we're looking back at you know those losses, and I'm sure there's some big write-downs in there as well, uh, of, of, of which have been previously announced, or write-downs for redundancies or amortization of this asset or moving this part of risk off the portfolio into some form of bad banks. But it's rear-view mirror until we know what the new Deutsche Bank is going to look like. You said two to three years. I wonder whether it will take longer, because I'm just reading an article this morning about the, the shedding of those assets, uh, the I bad assets. I time scale I was quoting. Right. But if, if you think back to the, the crisis around some of the Spanish banks, you know that you've got banks that are trying to reduce assets, so selling those assets into the marketplace. And when you have uh, effectively uh, a big owner of assets trying to shed those names, it tells you that it's a, it's a willing seller. So getting the right price is always going to be an issue. When it comes to the derivatives portfolio that they're trying to get rid of, some of the, the managers can actively sell those assets or they can wind them down over time. So you think, well, who's going to be the ready buyer of some of those assets and, and will the pricing be what Deutsche Bank wants? So it may take many, many years. And don't forget the cleanup of Spain took many, many years. You are right. So what does it mean for that chart to the right-hand side of you on the screen? What does it mean for our viewers? And again, the most wonderful thing about our position is here, we're not here to tell people to buy stocks. We're not here to tell people to sell stocks. We're just here to confront them with the evidence. And, and yeah, let's say two to three, or you may say even longer, and I, I totally understand your point is incredibly valid. But the point is, what do our viewers do to try and make money, which is what a lot of them want to do in the meantime? The um, other issue, of course, and um, we'll talk a lot about Deutsche Bank over the course of the next three hours, and we'll talk about the self-help, and we'll talk about how many CEOs have got this their hands on this business and tried to turn the direction of the business. You know, John Cryan, we talked a lot to, Ashley the Englishman Jane. put in charge with a remit, it seemed at the time, to turn this business around. And yet, as we subsequently learned, his hands were somewhat tied behind his back. This looks like the most fulsome restructuring plan we've seen yet. The problem is, it, it, they could do with a little bit of uh, trailing wind from the marketplace itself, and they are not going to get that opportunity or that luxury or from the underlying economy because from the, the consumer because as we saw from the UBS numbers yesterday and the commentary from UBS they're worried about what the ECB does next how much lower interest rates go at this point and they are worried about the broader macro geopolitical environment here yeah. and as you say the economy is a key issue if you are a bank Mm. Um, let's get out to Annetta. Annetta's with us from Frankfurt. Annetta's on the story for us all morning. So you've had a look at these numbers, Annetta. Anything that looks any different from the guidance that we've already seen from Deutsche Bank? Well, actually, the net loss is a little bit more or higher than expected. And um, what they have done, they have uh, already uh, kind of... Uh, taken charges earlier than they previously said. So we have a higher net loss, but still the revenue line is what they were guiding us. It's at 6.2 billion euros. Um, and also, uh, we now know how the subdivisions actually performed. Um, what was surprisingly strong was the asset management uh, business, which the net revenues are actually up by 6%. If you look at the investment bank, the FIC business, which uh, once upon a time was their big revenue 
revenue machine is down by 4%, which is more or less in line also what the competitors have posted and a little bit even better than what we have seen from UBS, for example. Equities clearly is very much down, but that's also the area they are planning on exiting altogether. And origination and advisory is another big field or space which is very weak, down by 30%. And clearly that is reflecting the poor or very difficult market environment. And uh, of course, going forward, uh, Deutsche Bank will also be impacted by a potential cut in, in interest rates. And that's clearly uh, also a risk to their revenue outlook going forward because they, they closely watch what the central banks are doing. But so to sum it up, in general, the picture is pretty much they were guiding us to. And now the big thing is uh, how much, uh, how will the next step be in executing on their strategy? How credible will their plan be to really boost revenues despite shedding so many assets? And how, how much money will it cost them then in the end, uh, that big restructuring move, and whether they can do it without a capital hike? I think this concern is still weighing very much on the shares. Having said that, the share price ever since the announcement came out and many people were shedding the shares came back to levels which we've seen before. So I guess the, now investors are just waiting for more information and also more visible steps that they're really executing on their plans and that they are, can, can still, despite all those insecurities surrounding the bank, boost revenues. With that, back to you. Terrific. Thank you very much indeed, Annetta, for that. We'll catch up with you a little later on. This is a story that will dominate the programme this morning. And of course, don't miss the Deutsche Bank CFO, James von Molke, that interview coming up at 8 CET. And the CFO of Deutsche Bank's asset manager, DWS, shortly after. What a funny little read. Funny little read. <laughs> and the uh, DWS well, manager. Just mixing it up a little bit, giving you a little bit, me a little bit, I don't Karen need, a little bit. I don't need bit. more airtime, Jeff. Well, let me uh, pick up that ball and then uh, run with it and take you to Daimler numbers. Uh, second quarter results crossing. A lot of focus after the company recently issued its fourth profit warning. So it uh, reassessed its guidance and changed its numbers before the official release today. The second quarter... EBIT loss has tallied up to 1.56 billion euros versus a profit uh, this time a year ago of 2.64 billion euros. This was flagged up to the markets uh, about a week or so ago. So investors getting the number very close to what they're expecting after that recent update. Now, the group EBIT uh, in the financial year of 2019, so for what lies ahead, is expected to be significantly below the previous year's level. And that would also be somewhat anticipated given the, the second quarter downgrade that we had revenues uh, for the second quarter 42.65 billion euros versus the 40.76 billion posted a year ago so revenues are higher uh, than what you've had previously the second quarter group result uh, minus your 1.2 uh, is uh, what's crossed billion so, so while well, the numbers start I just want to get a bit more commentary in before uh, we, we move on Mercedes-Benz cars returned to sales negative 3% it assumes that EBIT and free cash flow of industrial business will improve significantly by the end of the four year versus the first half so it might be a year of two halves coming through in that line Steve um Again, we said. Some snazzy some music we've got noise. coming from somewhere. Is that your phone? You Certainly phone. not my phone. No. Oh, okay. um, what is very interesting? I've been on silent all my life. I don't know what the ring is on my phone, actually. 
The audience can't hear it. So yeah, but I can. I'm just wondering if it's in my head or if it's real. You know, it's, it's, I have these problems. I can't hear anything. Can you, Karen? No, my therapist no, told no. me just they're not definitely, all real. These sounds definitely all. In Look, your head. One of the I was going to say is the Chinese have faith in this company. Whilst the shares have had a terrible, terrible performance, let's face it about it. That is a fact. They've come off quite aggressively as well. But Li Shufu as well, BAIC, they're buying an extra five percent of this company, and I think that's really significant when you look at the top shareholder of this company. Uh, now you've got BAIC, which is pretty much going to have, I believe, about 15% of the company. And then you've got the KIA, the Kuwait Investment Authority, coming in with a whopping 6.8 as number two. So actually, the top 20-odd percent is held by two parties. And very interesting, we've talked very downbeat, we've been really downbeat, and I, I think I've been really downbeat, about the performance of Chinese auto sales so far in 2019. And actually, this is a, a vote of confidence in Daimler from the Chinese. Yeah, you're looking at the sound now as well. It is here somewhere. Mercedes, I mean, that is disappointing that you've got uh, negative numbers coming through in the flagship brand for, uh, the, for the car, the car maker. So you would expect the numbers to be better at some point, but is it just a transition? Is it a pause before we actually get some better numbers on the back of an electric pivot? Or is this what it looks like for, for now? You mentioned the Chinese. I was having a good chat to our friend Arjun, who's moved to that part of the world. And he made the point to me that in some of the cities, you just don't need a car to get around anymore. It's too hard you know, to, to get the right parking. All the services are connected. There's a lot of car sharing that's taking place. So you don't need a car. And if you think about it, where the bulk of people, wealthy people in China are located, it's in the cities. So the cities are not necessarily buying cars. Who are? buying these automobiles in China. Yeah, and, and let's just take the helicopter view here. Um, this is an industry, I think, where you look to companies like Continental to give you a steer on what the real demand actually is. Because, you know, you can get from the salesmen from the car lots all sorts of messages about how strong demand is. But when you look at Continental, a company that is selling tires into the industry uh, and other uh, peripherals, and they're telling you that things are not good. I think you just have to listen to what the market is uh, feeding back to you. Uh, and there may be idiosyncratic opportunities in this sector, but a bit like the banking sector, you've got to dance clever, I think, or you've not got to put your uh, widows and orphans money into it. Well, those legacy issues keep on cropping up now. Remember the banking days where uh, litigation, liabilities and that sort of thing related to legal cases, that was one off. Now in every other quarter, every other year, they keep on cropping up. And the same thing with the automakers. We're not getting to the end of the road on some of these legal issues around emissions cheating. Can I just say two more, just two lines from the Diamond Report? Because I, I'm fascinated. I love looking at these consolidated reports as well. Don't, Mercedes Benz vans, yeah, you see them everywhere. They're, they're, yeah, they're very nice looking vans. You know, some people might like a transit, others might like a Mercedes Benz van. A return on sales, what do you mean the return on sales per Mercedes? This is their figures, I'm just pulling out the report. I mean, a stunning figure. Return on sales per Mercedes Benz van in this period they're talking about, in 2019. In minus. 15 to minus 17% ROS return on. I mean, I find that staggering for every van they're going to be selling. This is the group EBIT figures for or individual divisions for 2019. Expect the following returns. They expect to lose up to minus 17% on every van sold. I, I, that's mind-blowing to me for a company of their scale and their experience, what have you. Because I, I started off looking at the Mercedes-Benz cars mm. and I thought, oh, 3 to 5%. It's not great, is it? No. But the, compared with the van division... 
It's atrocious, isn't it? I mean, there must the, be huge structure issues going on. So, so that represents the sale price compared to the manufacturing cost. But how, much do they, how much do they make on the financing? To compensate and the for the and, and the, the uh, windscreen thingy and the the, yes. the diamond wide whatever the protection for the bodywork. Yes. Yeah. That, that's know. essential though, isn't know. it? Uh, U.S. negotiators, I'm in a lot of trouble now. U.S. negotiators, it's only taken 15 minutes. U.S. negotiators will soon head to China for face-to-face trade talks, according to CNBC sources. We'll make for a great podcast, though. Uh, Discussions could begin on Friday and extend through Thursday, 1st of August. White House sources uh, say, sources say the White House is seeking a legally binding deal, but that might take up to six months to achieve. Now, the president, Mr. Trump, is also urging China to buy a American agricultural products in return for fewer restrictions on Huawei. The White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow said a trip to China is a positive signal and underlines the importance of agricultural purchases for the U.S. administration. It looks like there will be a trip to China, point number one. And point number two, we expect, we hope strongly that China will very soon start buying agriculture products. Uh, Number one is part of an overall deal. Number two is a goodwill gesture. So I'm going to play that on the optimistic side. And I think going over there is a very good sign. Okay, that was Mr. Cudlow, which again, uh, put a bid on the market as well. Plus the earnings were all right, you know. We'll call it how we see it. If we see bad stuff, we'll do it. If we see good stuff like Coca-Cola, like United Technologies, I think Biogen was the third of the big three as well. So good numbers coming out from corporate US. I know that the dance here though, you, so do you. Lowered expectations, nice beats on earnings and that, but they were decent figures as well. Materials were up 2% and technology had a really good session. The subsector of the S&P and the technology sector once again had a fresh record close. You may be interested to know it's up 32% so far year to date. So when someone tells you, just a bit of advice here, oh, I can't go IPO because the market conditions, you just go back to them with that one, ladies and gentlemen. 32% higher year to date. How bad are the market conditions for the right priced stocks? Jeffrey, should we have a quick look at Asia? Let's do it. <laughs> so your name and Asia on the prompt. Uh, 1% higher for Shanghai Composite. Hang Seng up seven tenths of 1%. Same margin uh, for the ASX 200. But Jeffrey, I hear you have a tease for Bernard Chalet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh- Somebody's obviously put my relocation details up on the autocue. Uh, coming up on the programme, Dassault Systems saw double-digit revenue and EPS growth in the first half. We'll hear from the CEO of the business in just a few minutes. A CNBC signature event. East Tech West, CNBC's exclusive invitation-only retreat returns to Nansha, Guangzhou, China in 2019. We explore all things tech from artificial intelligence to 5G. Join the world's most prolific investors, inventors and entrepreneurs as they share their stories and celebrate innovation. Visit EastTechWest.com for an application to attend.
Welcome back. Shares in Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet and Apple fell in after hours trade as the U.S. Department of Justice opened an antitrust review into, quote, market leading online platform. Got to say, though, look at those moves. I'll come back to that. In a statement, the DOJ said it will examine whether firms are engaging in practices that reduce competition. The statement didn't specify which firms would be investigated, but mentioned, quote, search, social media and some retail services online. Just for me, they ain't big moves for a stock sector that has gone up huge, huge multiples over the last couple of years. You lose a percent on the back of there might be an investigation. Doesn't seem too much to me. Um, Snap shares jumped more than 9% in extended trading on the back of stronger than expected user growth and revenue in the second quarter. The parent company of Snapchat said the number of daily active users rose to 203 million in the second quarter, up by about 13 million compared to the previous quarter. It pinned the strong performance on its improved Android app and new augmented reality photo lenses, which include a popular gender switching filter. After a tough 2018, shares in Snap are up nearly 170% this year. Numbers crossing from Dassault Systems today. So let's just dive into the detail for the second quarter. Total non-IFRS revenue and software revenue up 13% and 12% respectively. That's at the high end of uh, Dassault Systems' financial objectives range. On an organic basis, non-IFRS revenue up 10%. Just uh, diving into the outlook statements too. Slight nudging higher of some of the targets for 2019. 345 to 350 euros the range are slightly higher at the margins let's get to bernard chalez who is the ceo of daso systems bernard nice to have you back with us it looks like you've got a slight uh, uptick to the guidance just tell us how you're tracking by the end of the second quarter uh, good morning yeah uh, i think uh, we uh, we deliver on promise basically on the high end on uh, basically all this was driven by asia uh very strong in China, specifically uh, transportation, mobility, as well as uh, worldwide with uh, a new category we call home, home and lifestyle with uh, the acquisition of Centric um, PLM um, a year ago, where uh, we are providing to clients like LVMH on uh, many others like uh, Caring and others, uh, the platform for their collection management around the globe. So um, diversification on uh, Asia, on a strong, good, stable uh, environment in Europe, on U.S. I want to go straight to your comments on transportation and mobility because we have seen very weak numbers from the China market. Auto sales have been very weak and it's uh, destroyed some of the numbers from the big car makers across here in Europe. So just tell us why you're managing to see some decent numbers, why you're executing in this division. Uh, clearly, uh, with the 3D experience platform, we, our sol- system solution is about innovation, is about building the products of tomorrow. And uh, this entire industry is, is going through, uh, it's well known now, electrification, new categories of uh, mobility for cities, last mile delivery, like, for example, with the Renault Group uh, creating new little equipment, electrical equipment for last mile delivery within cities. Uh, but also in China, uh, and the fact that the volume is going uh, down for the sector does not mean that the volume of new project is going down. It's the other way around. Uh, new product portfolio and uh, new categories of products. This is why uh, we see significant growth for the system here. Um, 
But uh, can I ask you uh, what you're going to do with all the free cash flow that you're spinning off from the business at the moment? Just looking at these numbers, 38% jump in free, free cash flow to 894 million euros for the first half. Um, it's an interesting measure of how confident CEOs feel about the coming business cycle, um, that they're inclined to spend it. What do you plan to do with it? Well, um, uh, you may have noticed that uh, that uh, we are engaging a significant uh, acquisition of a U.S.-based uh, uh, company in life science for almost uh, a little bit less than six billion uh, U.S. dollar. A company called Medidata. We are going through the process um, of uh, this acquisition that should uh, hopefully uh, be uh, done by. Uh, October, November latest. And, um, this is uh, a new engagement for the system to provide an innovative platform for uh, the pharma sector, the life science sector at large, with modeling simulation and uh, big data for clinical uh, clinical trial. Uh, so uh, we have uh, <laughs> we are spending we are spending basically it's the largest acquisition ever for the company and. Um, means that we believe that we can uh, we can do uh, we can do okay in the years to come. Bernard, I just want to ask you very quickly about the operating margin, uh, which is jumping out to me. Why is the number reversing so aggressively uh, year on year and also quarter on quarter? Uh, I think uh, first of all, we uh, hiring has been a little bit slower than expected, so um, uh, that's that's one phenomenon. Uh, also, the top line uh, for the Q, uh, we have kind of cyclical typical uh, quarters was uh, was better so there we have very strong signs um on that's basically it on a little little bit of tailwind thank you for listening to squawk box europe express for more market moving news you can head to cnbc.com or join us again on the show with jeff cutmore steve sedgwick and karen show weekdays on cnbc